All right, well, thank you for the opportunity once again to come and speak. Thank each and every one of you for taking your time to log into the live stream and being faithful to do so. Go ahead and grab your Bibles there, even at home, and open them to Exodus chapter number 5 with me, Exodus chapter number 5. Um, I did want to mention, I forgot to mention it to Dad ahead of time, so I'll just go ahead and mention it to you all. Now I'll ask prayer for a guy named Wyatt White. Uh, he's the son of a client that we were working for, and they just had their baby in. I guess it was two nights ago he was coming back from the first date since they had their baby and he rolled his truck and uh, broke his collarbone in three places. And the doctor he's seen, I believe, said he didn't know if he would be able to set it, so it may just heal not being set. And so obviously um, a little bit disformed there, so just keep him in prayer and his recovery in prayer. Again, his name is Wyatt White. Exodus chapter number five this evening. I'm going to go ahead and pray and dive right in because typically I'm like a three or four kind of a verse guy and we got about a chapter and seven verses tonight. So let's go ahead and pray and we'll dive in. God, we do want to thank you for the opportunity to speak and God, uh, the opportunity to use technology to get your gospel out. May each and every person who's listening in tonight, God, be honest with themselves and honest with you and, and maybe come genuinely seeking what you have for us tonight. And God, I pray that you would empty me of myself and fill me with the Spirit, and may everything I say point others back to you in a way, God, that brings honor and glory to you. And I pray that you would help each and every one of us to leave this service tonight, God, or to close the live stream tonight, being changed. Once again, we thank you for the opportunity to gather as a local body of believers around the world and to study out what you have for us. And in Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Let me just give you a little bit of context so we don't have to go Exodus 1 through 4. Where we come into the story at is we pick up Moses. And uh, Moses has just been in the desert, and if you remember, he went to the desert after he uh, killed this Egyptian and was really trying to start moving the Israelites out of Egypt on his own. He kills this Egyptian, and it was the wrong timing, it was the wrong place, and it wasn't God's plan, and God sends him into the desert. And then miraculously, after 40 years, comes to him in a boning bush and tells him, Moses, Moses, now is the time, uh, so go ahead, talk to Jethro, get ready to go. And of course, Moses gives the giant list of reasons that he's not the guy and why he can't go, and God confronts each and every one of those concerns. And finally, Moses accepts Aaron as a spokesperson, and they go... Uh, Often they meet with the children of Israel and they come to Israel. And what they say is really a phenomenal truth. They say after all these years of bondage and after all these years of hardship, it's finally time. And to really show you, you've got to understand that right now the Israelites are in a tough place. You see, everyone in Egypt right now was born in Egypt, and they were born slaves, and all that they could remember was being slaves. Their parents were slaves, and for all they knew, they were going to continue to be slaves. There was really no promise of when. They knew that eventually they would be let out of Egypt, but no promise of them, and after this much time, it would be difficult to believe that they were the ones, and maybe a way that we could describe it that would bring it more home to us would be to say that you were born in prison, and your parents were born in prison, had met in prison, and, and for all you knew, you were going to be in prison. And then really what Moses and Aaron have the opportunity to do is they go to the children of Israel and they say, look, God's spoken, and I'm Moses, and we're heading out of here. God made this promise to give us the land of Canaan, and now is the time and you are the generation, almost as if we were in prison, to get that potent. And where we pick up in verse, oh, chapter number 5 is right after Moses and Aaron have went to the children of Israel, and they showed them these miraculous signs, and the children are like, Oh, wow, you're being serious. God really is going to lead us out. And we jump in at chapter number five as Moses and Aaron now go to speak to Pharaoh for the first time. And what we see as we dive right into chapter number five is in verse number one, as they begin to make a plea for this sacrifice, that we want to go and sacrifice, they make this plea. We see starting off a bold request. Exodus chapter number 5, verse number one, and the Bible says, And afterward Moses and Aaron went in, going into uh, the palace there, went in and told Pharaoh, 
Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness. Now, this is kind of a bold request. Let me just show you what exactly Moses is asking for here as he comes to Pharaoh. Do remember that Moses just left Egypt, and this is the first time he's spoken to Pharaoh since being back. Forty years ago, Moses fled Egypt as a refugee. Really, he had just killed an Egyptian captain. He had killed an Egyptian leader over the Israelite. And after that, he's like, maybe that was a bad idea. Maybe I should have had some more forethought. And he scouts out into the desert where he's been living for 40 years. And now he rolls back up into the palace. And no apology for killing the Egyptian. No, I'm sorry. No mishap. No conversation. No dinner for Pharaoh. He rolls right in. He says, this is what I want. Right now, your entire construction crew for all of Egypt is my Israelite nation. And what I would like for you to do is give me the whole construction crew for all of Egypt. They're making all the bricks. They're, they're doing everything you need to build. I want to take them all on three days into the desert, okay, all the slaves. And we don't want y'all coming. We just want to take the slaves three days into the desert, and then we're going to sacrifice there. And so best case scenario, three days back, one day to sacrifice, three days to get there. I would like a week off for the entire Israelite nation. And Pharaoh's like, <clears throat> last time I checked, you were hiding in the desert because you had killed one of my guys, and now you're asking for the whole nation to be off. We see a bold request as they begin to make this plea to go and sacrifice, and equally we get a bold reply. Pharaoh says to Moses, he says, verse number two, and Pharaoh said, who is the Lord that I should hear his vo or obey his voice to let Israel go? I know not the Lord, and I will not let Israel go. Moses comes in and says, hey, uh, Lord wants us to go out and we like to take the whole nation and kind of go do the sacrifice thing. And Pharaoh says, I don't know who the Lord is. I do know that you're asking to take the whole nation, and I'm saying no. And so Moses, in an attempt to go ahead and get the Israelite nation to go out, uh, John, he gives a brief explanation there in verse number three. And the Bible says, and they said, Moses and Aaron, the God of the Hebrews hath met with us. Let us go, we pray thee. Three days journey into the desert and sacrifice unto the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. Here Moses and Aaron come and they say, okay, look, we want to go. Pharaoh says, no. And Moses and Aaron are like, okay, well, I mean, the Lord came to us. He met with us. We're trying to avoid pestilence. We're trying to avoid the Lord falling on us with the sword. We're trying to do a good thing here. It would really be wise if you would just let us go into the desert. And here the king of Israel, uh, king of Egypt says, nope. And the Bible says in verse number four, and the king of Egypt said unto them, Wherefore do ye, Moses and Aaron, let the people from the works get ye unto your burdens? And I know we've kind of went through this beginning really quickly, and we're going to be laying a little bit of groundwork, so stay with me there. Don't zone out. This is just stuff you kind of need to glean, but you don't have to understand fully. Pharaoh says, No, you're not going. Why are you letting the people off their burdens? Go, get back to work, get out of here. It's not happening. It's not happening. Moses and Aaron leave. And then kind of the plot thickens here. So far, nothing really bad has happened. Moses shows up. Pharaoh says, no. Moses is like, this is why. Pharaoh's like, no. Goodbye. Get back to work. And as we end up verse number six, we begin to see kind of a problem being presented here. Pharaoh begins to think about it. And as he begins to think, things kind of go downhill from this point. And Pharaoh commanded the same day, the taskmakers of the people and their officers saying, you shall no more give the people straw to make brick, as heretofore. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. Moses says, okay, I would kind of like to get the people out of here. And Pharaoh begins to think about it. And he's like, this is the problem. See, I didn't give them enough work to do. And now they're thinking that they can just 
get up and get out of here. And uh, so I need to give them more work. And when they were making the bricks, really it would be made out of like a clay and this straw. So, so they equally needed the clay and the straw. And kind of the deal was, as we gleaned from the Bible, is that they would do the work with the mud. It was a mud brick is what it was called. And they would kind of do the work with the clay. And so far, the Egyptians had been providing the straw. And they would make these bricks. And as Pharaoh begins to think about it, he's like, if they want to go into the desert and worship their God, then I've given them too much free time. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to add to the problem here. I'm going to give my slaves more to do. And as he thinks about it, he's like, you know what? All that my guys right now are doing is watching over them and providing straw. So if we don't provide the straw, then that's more production out of them. So he tells his guys, he says, no more straw for them. So right off the bat, as Pharaoh begins to present this problem in response to Moses asking to go sacrifice, he takes away some of the materials. We see missing materials. And I just want to throw in as a side note right here, a lot of times when you go to do something good for God, you're going to run into a problem. The Israelites are like, we would like to go and worship God. And immediately... There's a road bump. Don't be fooled. Every time you go to do something good for God, if your life gets a little bit harder or if something goes a little bit wrong for you, if you find yourself not doing as good as maybe you were just before or your situation gets a little bit worse, you come to the place where you're like, I need to do something for God. I need to get more serious about my relationship with God and things kind of go sideways. That's kind of to be expected because Satan's going to do everything he can to make your situation worse. And here Israel's trying to do something good, trying to get out of Egypt. It's not good for Egypt, but it's good for them. They're trying to go and sacrifice, and things are not going good. A problem presented. We see the missing materials, but more than that, we see more labor. Necessarily missing materials is not a problem. You know, if you were to tell me and I'm building a house and I come up and there's all the two-by-fours, two-by-sixes, two-by-tens, everything there to plywood, the sheetrock, and I come up, and you're like, okay, I need you to build this house. I could just get right to work building, you know, building walls, nailing walls together, standing them up, you know, putting in doors and windows. But if I showed up to the job site and got out of my truck, and you're like, okay, we're going to build a house right here, and I look around, and there's nothing but trees, trees everywhere. And I'm like, okay, yeah, so uh, when's the excavating crew coming in? You're like, no, you are the excavating crew. What I want you to do is bring the sawmill in, set it up, and you're going to cut the trees and saw the boards and then build the house. I mean, that's not necessarily a problem for me. It's just going to be more time for you. I'm not going to get as much done because I'm going to have to saw the boards and then I'm going to have to build the house with boards that I sawed. And that's kind of where Israel's at. But Pharaoh's like, don't only tell them we're not giving them straw, but if you look in verse number 8, and the tail of the bricks which they may, did make heretofore, that is, and the number of bricks they were making before, you shall lay upon them. You shall not diminish all thereof, for they be idle. Therefore they cry, saying, let us go and sacrifice to our God. Let their more work be laid upon them, that they may labor therein, and let them not be goad vain words. This is where the problem really starts to happen. Pharaoh says, okay, here's the deal. No more straw, but you still got to make the same amount of bricks. When you take away half of the ingredient needed to make a brick, and you still expect the people to make the same amount of bricks, there's more work to be done. And as you can see, we see a purposeful beating coming. Pharaoh's never intended for Israel to be able to make the same amount of bricks they were making before with half the materials. What Pharaoh really wanted to do is have a reason to show them not to ask for time off. He's like, if I give them enough work, they can't do it. What that's going to do is going to put them in this situation where they have no choice but to either the Israelite leaders are going to be beaten by the Egyptian leaders for not making enough bricks, or the Israelite leaders will then beat the Israelites working for them. Uh, 
to make more bricks, and they still won't be able to do it. Therefore, everybody loses in this situation. And Pharaoh is really one, almost as a punishment to them for asking to go and sacrifice. Pharaoh says, okay, no more straw, therefore less bricks, but you have to make the same amount or you're getting beaten. And there's a problem. And this is the point if you've been zoned out in all this context, so paying attention, because this is where the message really begins. Israelites now in this situation, they tried to go and sacrifice to God. They got shot down by Pharaoh, and now their workload's been upped. And as a result of the workload being increased, they're getting beaten. It doesn't take long for the Israelite leaders to say, okay, well, something has to be done. Something has got to give. We cannot keep on going on like this. We're all getting beaten, and nothing's going to change unless something gives here. And so they come up with a plan. They're going to give a plea for help here. And we see Israel going to Pharaoh. The Israelite leaders go to Pharaoh in verse 15. Then the officers, or the leaders, or you could say that Egypt guys were over these guys who were over all the Israelites. The officers, who the children of Israel, came and cried unto Pharaoh, saying, Wherefore dealest thou thus with thy servants? Wherefore dealest thou thus with thy servants? Verse 16. They come to Pharaoh and they say, There's no straw given unto thy servants. And they say to us, Make brick. And behold, thy servants are beaten, but the fault is in thine own people. Here the Israelite leaders come and they say, We got a problem. Uh, this bondage thing has really went downhill. We kind of tried to step out on a limb. Moses came back and he did these signs, these really cool signs. And, and we believed that God was about to do something big and that we was going to be the generation that God chose to take out of Egypt. And so we get all gun-ho and behind it. And immediately after we get behind this, Pharaoh completely throws the plan right back in our face. And we find ourselves with this problem now. And Pharaoh, what we're trying to say is we're all getting beaten, but it's not our fault, Okay. Let me, let me break it down for you, Pharaoh. What happened is Moses and Aaron came in and they talked to you, and then your people decided to stop giving us straw, and now we're all getting beaten. Okay, uh, Pharaoh, we need some help here. What we really need is some straw. Pharaoh, the fault's in your people. If you give us the straw, we'll make the bricks. It's not a problem, Pharaoh. We've been doing it for so long now. We, we, we know how to make bricks, Pharaoh. Just give us the straw and we'll make the bricks. Pharaoh says... In verse 17, but he said, Pharaoh, you're idle, you're idle. Therefore you say, let us go and do sacrifice to the Lord. Go, therefore, now and work, for there shall be no straw be given you, yet shall you deliver the tale of bricks. He's like, you want straw. You come to me asking for straw. You're not getting it. Denied. Go away. I still need you to make the same amount of bricks. A lot of times what happens when we as Christians get excited about doing something for God, is Satan throws something in the way. And we begin to itemize what we think it is that went wrong. And we begin to think, okay, God, what direction do you really want me to go? And when it seems that we found it, we pursue that solution. And if it doesn't work out, exactly what Israel did is a lot of times what we do. And they begin to blame someone else. Here we see that they blame Moses and Aaron. They blame Moses and Aaron. The Bible says in verse uh, 20, and they met Moses and Aaron who stood in the way as they came forth from Pharaoh. And they said unto them, The Lord look upon you and judge, because ye have made our savor to be 
abhorred in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of his servants to put a sword in their hand to slay us. They say, we wanted to do something good for God. We really was excited about what God was going to do here in Egypt concerning the, Israel of, uh, the nation of Israel. And we really were excited about it, but things went sideways. And you know what? God looked upon you and judged you, Moses and Aaron. This was your idea. And now it's all gone wrong. A lot of times that's the way it goes for us. We make a commitment to God. Maybe uh, we're going to go out and do more door-to-door, or maybe I'm going to be more involved in my church, and as we begin to pursue that, we find something not going right in our life, and immediately it's, Pastor hadn't asked me to help out. I would have time to make the money that I need. Uh, Pastor hadn't made me commit to this, or, man, if I wouldn't have promised to do this much faith promise, then I wouldn't be in this financial strain right now. Like, why am I having to deal with this? And a lot of times we begin to place the blame on someone else, and that's exactly what Israel did. And as a result, we see it begins to cause doubt in Moses. As we look at the prayer of Moses, here we see in Exodus 5.22, And Moses returned unto the Lord and said, Lord, wherefore hast thou so evil entreated this people? I want you to jump into Moses' shoes for a second. Moses grows up in Egypt, knowing that he is going to be the deliverer of the nation. And in a moment of pride, or perhaps just simple lack of thought, he kills an Egyptian, runs and flees to the desert for his life. And for 40 years, Moses wakes up to take care of sheep. The man that God had chosen to save his nation now begins to doubt every day. Man, God had this for me. I know God had a good plan for me, but here I am in the desert. Perhaps I messed up too bad. Killing an Egyptian was a dumb thing to do. It wasn't the right time. I should have known, but here I am. And Moses here, filled with doubt, spends 40 years of his life thinking, not getting any younger. The task isn't getting any easier. Man, I would like to be leading Israel out. I'm thinking that it's not going to happen. And as he begins to get towards the end of those 40 years in the desert, Moses is like, it's just, it's not going to happen. It's not. I messed up too bad. I'm going to raise these sheep till I die. I'm going to be out here taking care of this farmland. I'm going to live in a desert and die, and no one's even going to know. Then one day God comes to him, and God says, Moses, the ground just standing on his holy ground, and as he begins to speak from a bush, Moses begins to recognize the situation, and he understands that God is actually calling him back to that place of ministry. And he begins to get excited, and, and, he, and he goes, and although still filled with doubt, and he asks for Aaron, and he asks for signs, and he asks for miracles, finally convinced that God is actually going to use him, he goes back and he speaks with Israel. And man, the feeling that was in Moses as he approached Pharaoh. Both of this could go really bad or God is using me right now to do something great that's been talked about for a long time and the nation's about to come out. And then the day that he sees the Israelite leaders come out and say, God, look on you, Moses, and judge. This is your fault. This mess that you made. Had you not come back here trying to make us leave, then we would still have the straw that we need to make the bricks. Moses, this is on you. This is your fault. While Moses begins to question the Lord's treatment of Israel, he says, And Moses returned unto prayer, a good response from Moses, but he returned unto the Lord and said, Lord, wherefore hast thou so evil and treated this people? You're supposed to be busting them out of here. 
and things just got twice as bad and questions the Lord's treatment of Israel, but he questions the Lord's motive in sending him at all. Moses says, why is it that thou hast sent me? God, why did you even bring me back to Egypt? I thought, I thought that you were going to do something great, but why? Chapter number 6, we see the Lord's response. And the Lord said unto Moses, Now thou shalt see what I will do to Pharaoh, for with a strong hand shall he let them go. And with a strong hand shall he drive them out of this land. Moses comes and says, God, I don't know what you're doing right now. I don't know why you're treating your people this way. It was better before I came. I don't even know why you sent me. I should still be in the desert. And God says, no, I'm going to drive them out. Pharaoh is going to do it. And I want to show you a few things about God's response to Moses and then hopefully bring everything together for you. Exodus 6, 2 and 3, we see the source of authority which with God spoke. And God spake unto Moses and said unto him, I am the Lord. I appeared unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob by the name of God Almighty. But by my name Jehovah was I not known to them. God says, hey, Pharaoh is going to let them go. I am the Lord. Don't forget who you're speaking to, Moses. As you come to me with all these doubts and with all these questions, and you're really wondering why I ever even called you into this ministry right now, why I told you you could take Egypt out. As you're looking at what I'm doing in your life, and you're saying, God, um, what? I would rather just be back in the desert. Back where I knew my mistake, but I didn't have to face the Israelites again. He says, don't forget you're talking to the Lord. And, and I love this. He says, I appeared unto Abraham. I appeared unto Isaac and unto Jacob by the name of God Almighty, but by my name Jehovah was I not known to them. He's like, don't forget I am the Lord, God Almighty. I am Jehovah. This is my source of authority. Moses, when I tell you that the children are still going to come out, don't forget my source of authority. Then he goes on to say, the remembrance of his covenant, Exodus 6, 4, and I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage, wherein they were strangers. And in verse 5, the second part of verse 5 there, and I have remembered my covenant. God says, hey, don't forget, I am the Lord, and I remember what I promised them. I told them, hey, you can have the land of Canaan. I'm going to give it to you, free of charge, free of problem. If you do what I say, I'm going to give it to you. And I remember that. I am God Almighty, Moses. I remember what I promised them. And let me just tell you right now, as a side note, God still remembers every promise that he makes. And when you read through his word, there's often times that we come to God saying, God, you promised this, but I don't see it. God, you promised this, but it's not happening. God, you promised this, but I don't understand how it is. It seems impossible. It seems improbable. I don't think it's going to work. Don't forget that every promise God ever made, he's came true on. And when he makes a promise to you, even still here, he says, look, Moses, I remember what I promised them. And today, Christian, look, God remembers what he promised you. And he is God Almighty. He is capable of bringing that promise to reality. And then he goes on to say our recognition of the pain there. I recognize the pain my people are in. Moses says, God, why have you treated your people so bad? And he says, I recognize it. Exodus 6, 5, I've also heard the groaning of the children of Israel whom the Egyptians keep in bondage. He's like, Moses, I hear it. I know that my children are hurting. And it's good for us sometimes to slow down and remember that God hears your groaning. 
A lot of times when we start going through something, we begin to think that God doesn't understand what we're going through. But God says, Moses, I know. I know. And to you today, Christian, God knows. He knows. He hears your groaning. He hears your groaning, and he knows the pain you're in. For a lot of you, you're going through something that really you don't even know how to explain, a pain or a loss, a difficulty, and you're like, I don't know even how to put this into words. It's just so heavy. It's just so much. God knows the pain you're in, and he's understanding. And then he goes on to tell Moses, I'm going to redeem my children. I'm going to bring them out again. Exodus 6, 6 and 7. Wherefore, Moses, say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of Egypt, and I will rid you out of their bondage, and I will redeem you with a stretched out arm and with great judgments. And I will take you to me for a people, and I will be to you a God. And you shall know that I am the Lord, your God, which bringeth you out from under the burdens of Egypt. Moses, I am God Almighty, and I remember what I promised them. I know what they're going through, and I'm going to bring them out. Go and tell the people that. Now I know tonight we've been through a lot, and there was a bunch of small applications, but I really want to show you one universal truth I see here. When I come to looking at the children of Israel in this story as I was reading it, the thought just occurred to me, what are you asking for? What are you asking for? Moses comes to Egypt and he says, God's going to take us out and he's going to deliver us. Egypt gets excited. And Pharaoh says, it's not going to happen. I'm going to make things worse on you. I'm going to keep you here and it's going to be worse than it's ever been before. That was a terrible mistake to ask to leave. And things go really bad and we don't see Israel ever go to God and ask to be delivered. We don't ever see Israel saying, God, we know that you're going to do what you said you were going to do, and, and now would be a good time for you to do it. But instead, what you see is Israel goes to Pharaoh and says, Pharaoh, please, man, the straw. Could we have it back? And as I read this passage, I begin to think how many times as Christians do we get involved in the work of the Lord and but we get excited about the work of the Lord a lot of times as we come into a new year. Things spiritually begin to build and we make resolutions. Or if we don't make an actual resolution, then we make a goal mentally or we have a desire, if nothing else, to do good spiritually. And I would say that for everyone watching the live stream, if not most, then when you came into 2021, you said, God, I want to have a good year. I do. I want to grow spiritually. I would say for most of you watching tonight, your heart's desire was to grow spiritually in 2021. And maybe for some of you now, you've come to the spot where your devotional life is going down. Or maybe for some of you, you're still doing good. But financially, COVID has got things messed up for you. Or for you, you've got a, a real burden on your heart. Or you're, or you're struggling with some temptation or some sin. And 
in the midst of going through the problem. You find yourself trying to deal with it, and you begin to think, what is it that I need? Man, 2021 is not even one month over yet, and it's already getting wrecked, and it's already going sideways. And we find ourselves saying, if only I could make a little more money, if only I could find a little more time, if only I'm going to have to put my devotions aside, or I'm going to have to skip church, or I can't watch the live stream for half into work, or all these things. And we find ourselves going to Pharaoh and asking for straw so that we can build the bricks. We're redeemed, and God's already brought us out of bondage. And we find ourselves as Christians wanting to go back to Egypt and say, Pharaoh, if you give me the straw, I'll go back to making bricks. Really, there's two applications tonight, and after this, I'll close. One is to the sinner who's still in bondage. And right now, you are trying everything that Satan offers to find some fulfillment. If you're watching tonight and you're not saved, then maybe you're happy in life and maybe you feel satisfied, but deep down, you're not fulfilled and you know something's missing. And tonight, if that's you, then I would guess that there's been several things in your life you've tried to find that fulfillment, maybe a new job or a new relationship or maybe just new personal belongings, accumulated wealth. And ultimately, you find yourself still standing before Pharaoh, asking for a different type of straw, saying, there's something more to fulfill me. I need something else because it's not there. And if that's you tonight, if you would say, I am in bondage and I I don't have that fulfillment, I've never asked Christ to be my Savior and I'm living in bondage to sin, let me tell you what, God can deliver you from that bondage. And tonight, if that's you, then I would ask that you, private message, Brother Lundy or myself, uh, Aiden Tilly or Pastor John, let us show you how you can be cut free from that bondage. You don't have to keep asking Satan to fulfill you or to give you these things or to find fulfillment in the things of the world, but God can fulfill you in a way that you've never been fulfilled before. But perhaps to the majority watching tonight here on a Wednesday night Bible study, the application goes to the Christian who in your life you find yourself forgetting that God's given you deliverance that God has brought you out of bondage of sin. A lot of times we forget that the Bible calls us to be in the world, not of the world. And when things of the world start to go sideways, we go to the world to find that fulfillment. And how often in our life when we feel empty do we spend our time on social media? How often when we feel lost or alone do we spend our time trying to find human acquaintances to fill that void? Or how often when we have a, a financial strain or an emotional strain, we find, try to find some earthly way to fill that and we're finding ourselves unfulfilled, searching for a physical means to fill it. When I've read this story as I was reading through Exodus, God was like, what are you asking for, Aiden? Are you asking for straw? Are you still just trying to make bricks? Are you coming to me asking for something so much more? The Israelites knew that God had chosen them to take to Canaan. And yet they were willing to sacrifice it if they could only have the comfort of the straw back. What are you sacrificing to simply have the comfort of the world back in your life? Tonight, we've got a couple minutes before when we would typically let out, and I would ask that even once the live stream ends, you just spend a couple minutes asking yourself, there in your home, God, what is it that I'm pursuing? What is it that I'm asking for? Am I asking you to give me something so much more 
God, to deliver me from whatever bondage I am. Maybe it's bondage with the sin, bitterness, temptations, anger, whatever it may be. Or, or maybe you just find yourself consistently seeking things of the world to fulfill your life. Whatever it may be, ask yourself and be honest. What are you asking for? And not only that, but who are you asking? Tonight as a church, may we come to God asking God for spiritual things to be done through us and that he would use us in 2021 to make a difference in our area and around the world. Let's pray. God, I want to thank you for the opportunity to speak tonight. And I know there was a lot to the message, God. And I hope that amongst all the voices and all the points, you was able to speak to those listening. And God, the reality of the message is simple. What are we asking for? Are we asking for straw to keep building bricks? Are we going to Satan, God, asking for anything that fulfills? And although for many Christians tonight, we would never actually ask Satan, God, often we find ourselves using his devices to try to find fulfillment. When God, your word is right in front of us and your promises are always true and your Holy Spirit is willing to fill us, God, and guide us. Tonight, may every person listening in, myself and those here in the building, genuinely ask you, God, what are we asking for? As we come to 2021, if things haven't already, God, they will get difficult some part in the year. And when they do, may we as a church, God, come to you asking you for your plan and for you to deliver us, God, and to bring us to it rather than turning to Pharaoh asking for straw. Be with us tonight, God. Uh, we love you, and we do pray that you would teach us to love you more and help us to live that love out and show it to others around us. God, we may, may we as a church bring glory and honor to you in everything we do, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.